Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. Here comes Aaron Gordon the other way. Jokic has to put it up. Falling away, puts it up. Bang! Nikola Jokic knocks it. It's over. After 47 years, the Denver Nuggets can finally call themselves NBA champions. Y'all want to do it again? Let's do this. Let's do this. Dynasty. I guess we'll never know. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Denver Stiffs show. It is your host, Zach Mikosh, with, of course, Denver Stiffs. I am joined today not only by our uh, my fearless co-host, Gordon Gross, but also our other member of the writing staff, Mr. Gage Bridgeford, is with us as well. So we'll start with him. Gage, how are you? Uh, doing well. Uh, glad to be back. This is the first time I've talked basketball in a podcast forum since the since before the Nuggets won the title. So it's been a long break for me. So Gage, you're, you're setting the, the bar low. You're just letting everybody know right now. Like, listen, uh, you know. The, the, no, my, I mean, my, I think that, like, I'm I'm good. I'm hot off the bench. It doesn't matter what I am, where I've been. I'm going to come out and I'm going to provide the exact same level of content that I do pretty much every time that I podcast. People are going to be mad. They're going to, I'm going to get death threats from Argentina and then we'll move on. <laughs> hopefully hopefully none of that going on anymore but yes gage you are hopefully the not on this show brown yeah, yeah. gage oh no it happened brown on this show. Denver show yeah well that was back when you know ryan was pissing off an entire nation i mean hey i did it too so we were we were okay a guy said he was going to come and beat me up in denver which was hilarious because i say on pretty much every episode that i don't live in denver so <laughs> that's right He's like, I'm going to see you there uh, down at Union Station. Well, always uh, also earning the ire of fans and getting threatened to be beat up in Denver is, of course, Gordon Gross. Uh, Gordon, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. Just watched a really excellent victory from the Nuggets from opening tip to closing bell. So I accept it's, it's pretty hard to be in a bad mood after that. It is hard to beat a bad mood in. Let's uh, you know, let's dive in that. Normally we would start with the fast break bets. I'm gonna, but as they're all gonna be related to Utah, which is what we're going to talk about in the second half of the show. I'm gonna move that so we don't get off track in here and get all back and forth. Uh, so let's talk about the win against OKC. Of course, Nuggets played uh, the daytime, the matinee game, if you will, uh, uh, in Oklahoma City. They are now three and zero on the season after they, frankly. Um, pretty much blew OKC out. Gordon, you were uh, you were the one on the recap for the game. How I mean, how surprising is it to see them come out and essentially get a, a 33 point win against a team that I think a lot of people expect you know to be right there in the playoffs? I I think people expect them to not be to be above the play in games. So if that's the case, the so. Nuggets just well, I mean they'll, they'll be above the play in games as in like they don't they'll be a six or higher seed. Okay, yeah, because I was like, I feel like they're in like a, to me, they feel like a solid four seed right now in the West. Maybe that's a little bit optimistic. I, mean, the I West think that's is really a little good. high, but I, it's hard to tell, man. The West is going to be weird this year. So the Nuggets weren't interested in any weirdness. They just decided that they wanted to 
have this game, and they took it at the uh, Thunder, who had absolutely no answers. They didn't have big enough players. They didn't have strong enough players. Um, they, frankly, did, could not shoot um, from three to start the game. And the Nuggets said, that's fine. Like, we came to play. If you didn't, that's a you problem. And, yeah, let me tell you, uh, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander certainly seems like he did not come to play. And that that maybe I think is something that I'm like that I find the most surprising in the blowout and something that's probably not going to be uh, repeated again next time you play Oklahoma City. But uh, SGA mm-hmm. with two for 16 shooting. Um, Gage, what do you think, man? Like, is this maybe a sign is like, where are you at on Shea Gilgis Alexander? Is this, you know, he's, everybody's kind of broadcast him as like this top 10 player in the NBA, but now you you get a game like this where he just throws up a complete stinker. Are we, should we pump the brakes on Shea? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, that means Shea Gilgis Alexander is automatically bad. I mean, that doesn't make any logical sense to me. I'm not going to sit here and write off a guy having a bad game against the team that just won the title a few months ago. I, that doesn't make any logical sense to me. I mean, I can sit here and scroll back and look at bad Jokic games from a couple years ago. I can look at bad Murray games from a couple years ago. I, I think that people are often way too quick to write guys off, just throw them throw them out and be like, yep, you had a bad day. Everybody was excited about you. You had a bad day. Goodbye. Uh, just for reference, entering today's game, Shea was shooting 61% from the field with 57% from three, uh, 32 and a half points per game, eight rebounds, seven assists in his first, across, across the first two games. It is very yep. true. He has been, I'm yeah, not, I'm not doing, I'm not the smartest guy. I get that. I understand that those are really good numbers in case you were not aware, just for those of you at home that may not have been aware, those numbers are good numbers. Um, I understand that he didn't do it against like a murderer's row. Like he get, did against Chicago in the opening game. I don't think Chicago's that good. I think Chicago's going to end up either. Chicago's going to do one of two things. They're going to blow it up or they're you going to try up. and go all in. And I think that they're going to be dumb and do the all in thing. Uh, <laughs> I say, I, I say dumb that. because it's not going to work. You're not going to win. Right. Right. Yeah. I see the, uh, yeah. But I'm he with put up, in Chicago. he had 34, 11 and four again with five steals and a block uh, against Cleveland on the road so so he had a bad game i still think shea, shea is one of the best young up-and-coming guards in the league i think that today just happened to be a day where shots weren't falling because we we've all seen games where guys the shots are falling today was not his day he was over in the first half i believe it was over 10 over 13 something like that in the first half and then by the time the second half starts even if he gets a couple shots to fall which he ultimately does the game is too far gone at that point it was, yeah. it was, what was the, uh, what was the lead at halftime? I think it was, I mean, they were up by, they were up by a ton. Yeah. And it didn't get, it didn't really get any better. I did, did feel like the third quarter was, well, I guess it wasn't. Yeah. It was that, uh, they were up by 18 at, at halftime. So yeah, it was, and then it just got worse from there. You bring up great points. I mean, Shea has been, uh, he has been fantastic so far this season. He was fantastic. Of course, last season, we were talking a little bit about this before we got on the pod. And one of the things I think, Maybe the Thunder got caught in here is something that we classically saw with the Nuggets uh, in the past, which is, you know, they uh, they're a young team. They're on the rise sometimes on a Sunday day game at I guess it would have been two thirty in uh, Oklahoma City. But at two thirty in the afternoon like that, uh, guys who aren't the seasoned vets, you know, that throws off your routine. It throws off really everything that you were going to plan on doing the night before, because honestly, you should just get to bed with a nice warm glass of milk at 9 p.m., right? Uh, but 
whatever it is, these you tend to see this. This happened a lot, like I said, with the Nuggets. These guys just come out really flat in the uh, in the these day games on the weekends, and it really uh, it was that case. You know, from the get go, the Nuggets were up by 11 points after the end of the first quarter. Uh, added on to that into the second and uh, even third quarters, and then. Basically, by the they they won every quarter of this game. By the by the fourth quarter, it was uh, it was garbage time. Um, one of the things I thought that really helped OKC get get the or it's not OKC. It helped Denver get the uh, the lead and, and kind of get ahead of the the Thunder early on was was the play of Nikola Jokic and in particular his matchup against Chet Holmgren. Holmgren who Chet had a good game uh, by all rights in his. Uh, and if you look at his stat line, you know, that's, it's a very solid game, seven for 12 shooting, 19 points. Um, but Gordon, to me, it looked like he's just too small to handle Nicole Jokic. He, and like, honestly, if they'd can't. wanted to go to Jokic in the post every time, he could have probably scored 60 points. Well, the thing is, I mean, he started the first half with 22 points. So yeah, like every time he touched the ball, there was nothing that they could do about it. Um, the Thunder have built their team around being a very switchable team. Like, you know, you're, you're when your point guard is six, five and you've got a, a skinny quick footed, well, quickish footed, you know, center, you can, you know, there's what you can do. Like Chet's been having like tons of blocks, a bunch of rebounds. Cause he's just, you know, taller and longer than everybody else, but he's not taller and longer than the nuggets. Like, uh, you found all game, really, what was happening was Jokic was putting uh, Chet under the basket. He was just moving him. And Chet has right. never played anyone like Nikola Jokic. Like, that's right. – this is the welcome to the NBA experience for him. Yeah, I and definitely I definitely me, commented. fun to uh, watch because Chet's going to be really good. But this was definitely a you-cannot-stop-the-greatest-player-in-the-world sort of a thing. It's like running into LeBron, you know, in his prime and you're a rookie and you, there's just good luck with that. He's bigger than you. He's stronger than you. He's better at this game than you are. Um, and all all game, the Nuggets really did that to the Thunder. Um, they made them uncomfortable. They put them in bad positions. Um, uh, SGA was put in bad positions. He. Um, there was always somebody in his face, always somebody threatening to block a shot or um, deflect a pass. They were making him move backwards away from the basket. Um, and the same thing happened to Chet. Chet got, what, four rebounds in this game, I think. And he'd be getting double-digit rebounds every game with a ton of blocks. And they just wouldn't let him do what he was good at in this game. And uh, that, that, for me, is just good game plan execution. Yes, some of it comes down to maybe OKC wasn't quite ready to play an afternoon game, but it's the home opener, man. Like, if you're not up for that, I don't know right. what you'd be up for. So I, I can't really chalk it up to they were they were an unprepared team. They just they did, weren't ready for what the Nuggets had to bring to them. This is crazy. So, all right, uh, this is now obviously got to take this a grain of salt because weights fluctuate over the season, and, and they're not always the most accurate. But this is the NBA.com listing, okay? Chet Holmgren, 7'1", 195 pounds. Nikola Jokic, 6'11", 284 pounds. Chet's giving up nearly an entire 100 pounds uh, to Jokic in the yeah. in the post. That's it's just not sustainable. And that's, that's I think, the, the question that everybody has about him is, about Chet Holmgren, is, like, can he 
can he, you know, last, can he make it in the uh, NBA as a guy? Now I know he, you know, he was one of those guys who was like muscle watch in training camp. Right. And he was like, I had 15 pounds of muscle or whatever. So maybe he's like, you know, just over two bills now um, at seven foot one. But like, I, I don't know, like Gage, what do you think, man? Like, is it, is, is Chet Holmgren a guy who like, cause this is what there's granted. Not everybody's got, nobody's got Nikola Jokic, but like, is he a guy who you can have as your starting center when he's probably always going to be undersized in terms of going up against any, any big, you know, any, any classic big men uh, like a Jokic, like an Embiid, like a, like even like a, like a Carl Anthony Towns. No, he's a power forward. That's it. There, there's no discussion. There's no if, and, but there's no, no. Chet Holmgren will never be a starting center in the NBA. He will be he will be most successful as a power forward. There is no discussion about it. That's the only way it's going to work. You have to yep, put him next to a big, like a big. You need to put him next to, a, and this is a very, this isn't a like, oh, put him next to like this guy. This is a Robert Williams. You need to put him next to a Robin Lopez even. You have to put him next to somebody who can guard traditional fives because until traditional fives like Embiid, Jokic, even Anthony Davis, to some extent, until those guys go away, every single team will play Chet Holmgren off the floor by saying, Hey, you know how we have that big fat dude at the end of the bench. We're going to put him in and he's going to bully your boy off the floor. Just body him. Every yeah, day. It doesn't matter who. Robin Lopez could go drop 20 on him right now. <laughs> Where's Robin? Robin Lopez? He's with Milwaukee, right? That's, um, I believe he's, yeah, I believe he's on Milwaukee's bench. Well, this is the Marcus Camby thing, right? Like, you know, Marcus was way too small for the centers he was playing. But Marcus still had more muscle than Chet. Like, yeah. Marcus was still, you know, more bulky than Chet is. And so Chet's problem, I, I mean, for me, it's Chet and Wemby are both the same kind of player and that they're exceedingly long. They're exceedingly they're, – they're good at many things. They're going to get a lot of blocks, uh, a, lot of, a lot of good threes. You know, there is one gonna, slight difference between the two, though. Victor's that? four inches taller and weighs 15 pounds more. Absolutely equally as slender, but he's 7'4". Yeah, it, that seven four matters. Like that, um, but not seven, with so seven four, and he's got freakishly long arms. Like Chet's got long arms, but I think he's more spindly than he is long. I think it's just he's really skinny, so it looks like his arms are long. Versus Victor's <laughs> got like we've all seen the video of Victor during that yeah. pregame warm up the other day, where he made a regular sized human being look like me guarding a three year old, right? Yep. Absolutely. It was obnoxiously large. It made no sense. I was like, you are not that's the physics don't work. You're not supposed to be that big and that long. It it doesn't make sense. Yeah, Wimbanyana, uh well he's he's you know generational. Obviously he's different. Whereas whereas Chet Holmgren is is not. And I think um the, the other problem power forward. The, Right, exactly, and and the problem with the Thunder is they don't have any centers on the roster, right? There's nope. like literally none. So they're, yeah, they tra- they're and they even traded one right before the season started. Yes, right, like literally, I think the week before the season started, they traded Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who's six nine two thirty, shorter, but he's at least got some beef to him, and they traded him like the week before the season started to the Rockets, and the Rockets waived him. Yep. 
Yeah, it's uh, they're all in on that. Like like you were pointing out, Gordon, that that switching, you know, uh, positionless kind of kind of lineup, which you know, we, we, which certainly can work, but not not when you're going to go up um, against well, the, Nikola Jokic. The funniest uh, thing about the switchable lineup is that that was the plan to defend the Steph Curry Warriors. Right. Right. But we're out of the Steph Curry Warriors. We're not necessarily out of the era of them being dangerous. But, you know, we're now in the era of giant-ass center you have to deal with. And they right. don't have the guys for that. So they're going to have to rework their roster. They have so many picks and players. I'm not worried about them. They'll rework it however they need to. But I, I agree with Gage. They're going to have to get a better center, a bigger center, somebody who can handle some of these bigger players around the league because that's not Chet. Yep. No, no matter how good guys. he's going to be. I'm with you guys 100% on that. All right, let's before we move on to the Jazz, I do want to talk more kind of in general of what we've seen now here over these uh, last three games. Because Gordon and I have not talked yet since uh, since the games have started to count. Um, we we basically know what Michael Malone's rotation is now. He's got his five uh, starters, and then he's bringing Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, and Zeke Naji off the bench. It's left Julian Strother. Looks like he's the 10th guy in this nine-man rotation. He got a five-minute stand against the Clippers. Uh, first guy off the bench today once garbage time had started, but not a I guy. you mean he got a five-minute stand off the bench against the Thunder today, not the Clippers? No, it was against the uh, – it was the last game that they played. He got the, uh, the, the stint off the bench. You mean against the Grizzlies? Against the Grizzlies. Why did I say Clippers? I don't have no idea. I don't know. Um, no, one, no one knows. Uh, because, I don't know. Anyways, uh, against the Grizzlies, he got a five-minute stint uh, off the bench, yes. And then he got to play um, He got to play today. Um, right call, Gage, having Strother as basically out of the rotation now. Because I think it is, if, if you were playing Justin Holiday over Strother, like I'd have I've had a bigger issue with that. But if you want to go nine and you're nine or Jackson Brown, Watson and, and Zeke, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I think that Strother's the obvious candidate to break into the rotation, but I think he's also the obvious guy to be out of it right now. Um, if I'm just looking at like who's getting minutes, I I mean, also, you're 3-0, and and right. your third win was over a team that's a projected, like, like, uh, like you were saying earlier, four through eight, possibly playing team. And like, and you beat the Grizzlies pretty, pretty handily. Or I mean, it ended up being really close. I don't think that game was actually as close as that score. Never, yeah, game. it never really felt that close. And then you beat the Lakers pretty easily in another game. That final score was you won by twelve, but also I didn't think that game was that particularly close. Right. You're sitting here and you're beating teams. You have your rotation of your guys, and I think that. The there's a couple guys that are even playing now that have even more room to grow and become even better as the year goes along. Like I think Peyton Watson is a guy that I think has a lot of potential to really take another step this year. I mean, we've already seen him get called out by Malone earlier this like after game one. I yeah. li- I personally like seeing that, and I like seeing how Watson has responded through the last two games where Malone called him out and said he thought he was guaranteed minutes. Nope. This Nuggets yep. team is weirdly deep for a team that lost a couple of talented guys this offseason. So I really think that Strother being the first guy out of the rotation, I think that he's got a chance to break in. And then Denver gets really scary for everybody else as soon as that happens. Like as soon as right. everybody that's either at the edge of the rotation or out of, just out of it breaks into it, they become a problem because all the guys that are at the floating on the bubble are – 
Peyton Watson, 6'8", 200. Julian Strother, 6'7", 205. Jalen Pickett, 6'4", 209. Uh, Justin Holliday, 6'6", 180, which I, I know like he's he's your extra guy off the bench, but that's a 10-year vet, can knock down shots, swing man. Every team wants one of those guys, and Denver has one not even playing. Yeah, I mean, really, too. Hunter Tyson is a 6'8", 215, another, another forward off the bench. They have everything. Everybody wants those guys, and the Nuggets have like five of them not playing. Yeah, it's their their depth on the wings um, has been crazy, which is what makes me somewhat wonder about you know Can Strother, uh, what what will be his opportunity to crack the rotation, right? Because like this is this is pretty classic for Malone. He he plays nine guys. That's uh, generally how he runs the regular season, and then every now and then he'll he'll get a little couple of minutes for the tenth guy. So. Uh, I don't. I don't think you see him just na- naturally going to a ten-man rotation uh, on a consistent basis. And so then you start to wonder because, like, you know, Reggie Jackson is probably the guy who, especially with the way he's playing. Like, shout out to Reggie. He's been he's been very good. Reggie's uh, been in his great. first three games. Right. Like, and and nobody expected him to be. But like, even if he was just like, eh, like you would still you would still take it because he's your point guard off the bench. And like Julian Strother, Christian Brown, like none of these guys are going to do that. No, no, nobody's going to. No, unless Colin Gillespie or Jalen Pickett is going to be the guy, uh, no one else is taking Reggie Jackson's spot in the lineup just because he's the point guard. So now you're starting looking at like, well, you know, Julian, would he come in for either Peyton Watson uh, or Christian Brown? Like those would be the really two guys. And I think, you know, those are also two young guys, like you're pointing out, Gage, that like you want to see continue to improve, continue to get better, that, you know, you may be looking at guys that should be in your starting lineup sometimes. So I do wonder if for Strother, uh, you know, it might just be injury might be the only, yeah. uh, the only chance that he's coming in. I mean, I think that the spot for him to break in is if the bench can be more consistent than it's been over the last couple of years. That was the big thing last year was right. can Denver's bench just tread water long enough for the starters to come back. And through three games, the main thing that I'm seeing right now is can Denver's bench tread water, but also can they occasionally gain water can they occasionally get their heads further above water and i think if that happens that's how you get more guys in the rotation because the reason malone keeps his rotation so short is always we can't expand it any further because if we do we're not going to we we can't hold a lead we're going to blow leads and then we're going to have to burn through the starters even more we saw it through uh we saw it against um against the grizzlies where i think malone wanted to keep the starter minutes low and he kind of had to ex- keep his starters out there a little longer than he wanted to. And that's when your bench shrinks a little bit. When your bench comes in, holds a lead, gains a lead, that's how you get ex- that's how you get those guys further down the lineup in the lineup more. Yeah, that's um and that that that's a great point, right? And and you get the, those opportunities to get uh get the rest for your starters, give them longer rests in there. And you're hundred percent right. It wasn't until the playoffs really where you, the Nuggets bench started to be a positive, right? And largely the reason they were a positive was because Bruce Brown uh, kind of took it to another level there in the playoffs. He, they don't have Bruce anymore, obviously. Um, but the, the bench has been, you know, the bench has really been fantastic, Gordon. I mean, like they've, they've had, I, they weren't, I know they were there. I'm sure they were positive tonight because everybody had to have been a positive. Uh, they weren't yeah. a positive. There, there were uh, no negatives tonight. You are correct. Right, actually. Right. They weren't so, a positive. Plus against, minus, everybody was positive. Uh, they weren't positive against Memphis, but that was only because they had like sort of that last, you know, like run um, there 
in in the fourth quarter. They even got the lead there for right. for a quick second. Um, otherwise, I thought the bench played pretty well. And like overall, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I feel like with this rotation, with the four guys that Malone's got coming off the bench, like I feel better at least with the results I've seen so far about the the non Nikola Jokic minutes. No, the the great thing is uh, what I liked tonight was that Malone did put for their first stint Murray and MPJ out there with the bench. And MPJ was grabbing rebounds and making shots, and Murray was directing traffic and doing a casual, like, 19 and 8, you know, with 8 assists. I I like that with the bench, because it doesn't ask four bench guys to get it done. Reggie can play fine with Jokic. That's not an issue. And then when you get Murray with the bench, I don't want Murray and just all bench players. I like the fact that they brought another starter in with him. That's a good thing for me. Um, but those bench guys have been playing fine. Like Christian Brown was like underratedly excellent tonight. Right. Um, great defense, uh, especially whenever he got to play um, Gilgis Alexander. Um, the hands everywhere. Uh, good rebounds. You know, he went, I think he had 13, 7, and 7. And 7 assists off the bench is some ridiculous nonsense for a guy who's not a point guard. Um, I didn't realize so he had 7 assists. That is 7 assists. I don't remember more impressive. than like 2 of them, but he had 7 assists tonight. And so, um, for me, I'm... I plus just, 25 as well. The... Uh... Oh yeah, no, no. Every Top every time he was on the, on the team. court was a plus. Um, so like I said, I the bench played great. Peyton Watson had blocks. He had uh, I love when he took care of the ball. He had a great baseline drive against Chet Holmgren, where he uh, faked him on the three point shot in the corner, drove the basket, and then did a reverse dunk under the basket so Chet couldn't block anything. Yep. He was like, no, I know who I'm playing. That's called reading the scouting report. Like he knew who was out there. And I like that from a young player who has just a handful of NBA games under his belt. So, no, the the Nuggets bench, I feel much more confident in um, what they have to provide. Uh, and, again, if for some reason the bench shooting goes cold in the first stint, you can always bring in Strother in a second stint. You could right. bring in Hunter Tyson if that was the matchup because he can shoot too. Like, yeah. you have shooters in reserve. So if your defenders aren't getting it done, you have shooters you could add to the mix. And they're always just waiting. So for me, I do expect that Strother is most likely to get in because of injury or rest. So when they decide that MPJ needs to rest his ankle, um, you can put Strother in for the bench unit and have him shoot. That's yeah. not a problem. And and for me, that's uh, for that's how I would like to see them do it, is to work them in over the course of the season. Get everybody rest. Use like an 11-man rotation. Nine per night, but you've got... Tyson to go ahead and and you can give Watson a start in place of Aaron Gordon, you know, and then bring Hunter Tyson in for the bench. Uh, rest those guys. Get your starters some of that rest that they deserve. And so the Nuggets are set up well for that, as Gage was pointing out. Yeah, I, I think the one thing that I've noticed thus far with the bench, I'm a little bit concerned, the offense does seem to stagnate a bit once Jokic is out, uh, out particularly even even with Murray in there, you know, but, but particularly when we have that lineup that's Murray and the four bench guys. Um, 
it, it, it comes into like they all are looking at Jamal to make the plays. It, it seems like most of the time Jackson's not like Reggie when Reggie's on like and, and he played. I thought the, particularly in the Memphis game, he was really good at this at, at making plays for his teammates um, rather than just looking for a shot. But we know Reggie Jackson and who he is and he's going to be a shoot first uh, kind of guy. But I think the rest of those guys, you know, Peyton Watson, um, certainly uh, Zeke Najee. You know, these guys are they're essentially looking to Jamal to basically kind of do the play. And, and with Jamal, like not that he's not capable of that, but like a lot of times when Jamal just his natural go to is like, hey, if I'm not out there with Jokic, like he's probably his best bet is to get a shot for himself right before anything else. So I uh, I'm a little concerned. There. I want to see a little bit more uh, more playmaking. And I'll just say this, like. It, it, it really, to me, the bench, it hinges on Reggie, right? Like, if he continues to play the way he's played thus far, uh, then then you can feel really no good teams. about that yeah. about that group. But if he struggles, if he's not scoring, you're gonna yeah, you're gonna be in a scenario where, um, where it's gonna be like what Gage was talking about, like where you're gonna be basically just trying to survive those minutes like they were last season uh, until Jokic gets back out on the court. All right, let's move in then past the uh, the win against Oklahoma City. It is a back-to-back night for uh, the the Denver Nuggets, or back-to-back games. They are in, they're at home, I believe, not in Utah, but at home against Utah uh, here on Monday night. That will be a 7 p.m. game. So we we don't have a ton of great fast break bets, is what I'm leading into here, because. Well, the game is barely, there's not much time in between the game. We're recording this pretty much right after the Oklahoma City game. Don't have a ton to go with, but we do have, of course, the over-under and the spread. Um, Gage Nuggets minus six and a half right now. So six and a half point favorites against Utah. You like that action or is that, I? to me on a back-to-back, it feels it feels a little bit, a little, six and a half is a lot to cover. Sorry, uh, I was I was muted. My my apologies. I've never been the biggest spread better when it comes to the NBA. I don't like them uh, just because it's not what my preferred method of betting is. I'm more of a props guy. Uh, but I don't think that the Jazz pose too many unique problems to the Nuggets that they can't really deal with, uh, especially this version of the Nuggets roster. I think the main way that the Nuggets or that the Jazz score is with Larry Markkinen, Jordan Clarkson. Uh, Colin Sexton, so I'm not particularly scared of any of those guys. Uh, also, the Jazz have already played three games, uh, so they yeah they're getting a little bit more rest than the Nuggets are. But the Jazz got blown out by the Phoenix Suns, 104 to 126. Uh, they got they barely beat the Clippers at home, and then they got blown out by 16 to the Kings. Um, so they beat two they got beat bad by two teams that I think are going to be decent, and then they uh, barely beat a bad team. Uh, there, uh, I'm not, I'm not scared of this jazz roster. I'd say the Nuggets are going to win. Here's the other thing you mentioned that Nuggets playing on the back to back. Yeah, but none of the starters played more than 30 minutes tonight. That is a good point. That's Plus not the end of the game. game. It's a, yeah, yeah it's, it's also, day it's a day game. by night game. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, the Nuggets are going to have to travel. They're going to be a little more tired than they probably would like to, but it's not the end of the world. They're, they're getting, I think that the Nuggets are a more than capable team when it comes to taking care of this Jazz roster. I also sit here and I look at so you're what Walker Kessler? That's your that's your big answer to Jokic, correct? Uh, Walker Kessler, decent decent player. I think that uh, he does pr- probably doesn't get the credit he deserves for how good he is at his age, but 
See, last right. year they played the Nuggets. They beat them by 21 uh, opening early night. in the year on opening night. And that was the night where, if I remember correctly, the Jazz couldn't miss at all. Yeah. Yeah, Jazz it's shot 50%, never. 42% from three. And then the Nuggets shot a, yeah, let me look at that, 22.7% from three. And it was on a lot of, like, good shots, too. It wasn't like Denver was missing just bad, like, bad shots, couldn't get anything. They just couldn't hit they, – they couldn't hit anything. But then later in the year, Denver settled in, settled in a little bit. Uh, Denver beat them by 16. Uh, and then beat them by five. Then beat them by five a little later on. And then the Jazz beat the Nuggets by four late in the year, when Denver had basically wrapped up the seed they were playing for. They didn't have a lot to go for. None of the starters played more than 28 minutes, and it was a lot. That was a Peyton Watson uh, coming out game, if I remember right. There, that Peyton Watson had. You're, you're correct. Peyton Watson had six points that night. There you go. How many blocks did he have? Three. There you go. Yep. Yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah, he had six points, man. He was crushing it. Crushing it. Crushing no, so it. I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and I'm not gonna dog on Peyton Watson, but I, I see that the Nuggets have a game where, no, by the way, the Peyton Watson coming out party was the game against the Kings where he had 13 points. That's true. Which was the next night, actually. So I'm not worried about it. I think Denver wins the game. I think they cover six and a half. Gordon, what about you? I agree with that. It's it, you're playing at home, and the Nuggets um, at home uh, should not be scared of anything the Jazz have to bring. Um, honestly, so yeah, if it's, it's six and a half, is about as high a spread as I would want to be thinking, but that makes sense to me. Right. Yeah. I um. You know, I I was gonna say no. I'm I'm on the under, but as you guys, you know. Uh, kind of talk about it, and as I think about it, it is yeah, it's back to back, but it is there. Like you said, Gage, they got they didn't really play the fourth quarter. Plus, we're in a day game. They're they're probably um. One that I find across the country back. either. I was like, right. right, they're probably close to landing back into Denver right now as we're talking. You know, so they'll be in bed at a decent hour tonight. Yeah, I mean, I can I can definitely. See this is the thing is is you know I think by and large right now what we've seen from three games is uh, the Denver Nuggets are gonna exceed expectations uh when they're playing you know when in in a various number of situations when it was the spotlight was on them and they were dropping banners and getting rings and uh you know people gordon were concerned that they were going to come out flat and and lose that game against the lakers they they came out and they and they pretty much uh took them to task in in memphis a classic memphis grindhouse like uh, gutted out type of game like they were 100% up to up to playing that and then here in a day game against a good team against OKC one that you would think this is gonna be high scoring it's gonna be close will they be you know will they be um, up for the task they come out and just absolutely crush them it's it's giving you a lot of I think confidence right now that this team is is kind of like Gordon what you and I talked about before the season started like this team is going to bring it every single night they are going to handle the handle their business and if that's the case then yeah six and a half points probably not enough uh for Utah the over under on this one 231 I don't want to spend too much time on that but I will just make the one note yeah. the uh Nuggets have gone under three games in a row so I uh, consider that with what you will um Gordon, so kind of on this back, we're, we're all kind of expecting that yeah, they should be able to cover the six and a half points. You know, Utah was a team that uh, just missed out on the playoffs last season. Uh, had had a, I think I think Laurie Markkinen was an all-star starter, wasn't he, in um, in the all-star game last year? 
And, uh, you know, by and large, uh, surprised a lot of people. Do you think they, you know, and I get like, okay, surprise people, they didn't make the playoffs, but people pretty much widely expected them to be the worst team uh, in the NBA last season. They were not. Do you think they kind of fall back into that, like, bottom, you know, the bottom two or three teams in the conference? Or is or are we kind of looking at a, uh, you know, a play-in tournament team at least here with Utah? Um. Man, I want to say they're probably a playing team, but that's just because I would expect them to be well enough coached to win the games that some of the worst teams are not going to win. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for me, I don't know if it's necessarily a matter of talent. Um, they they still have some work to do there. Um, but but for me, the Jazz, yeah, I think they're probably a playing team um, or ish, you know, around that that level of team and uh, the West is just going to be so hard to predict this year, man. Like the, uh, the teams from like six to the end could be any of them, you know, it, it is, it, it I is think tough. A pretty clear bottom two. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So, so Gage is bottom two in it. Bottom uh, two. No, 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 your other no, no, no. I'm not saying two. the jazz are bottom two. I'm saying there is a clear bottom two. Oh, and there is a clear bottom two. Yes. Houston and Portland. There's not a discussion. That's your bottom two. I think those are the bottom two. Okay, and then if I'm looking at it, because I have it pulled so up here goes, in front. If you go what six to twelve, like who's who's better? Like I, who's I was gonna put Utah probably. I was gonna put Utah twelfth right now. Okay. Okay. I could see it. And that's and that's that's assuming. So Cage is a Wemby believer. No, I have Wemby. That's the third. That's thirteen. Oh, okay. Okay. I have I this you. first. I have Houston and Portland bottom two. I don't really care what order you can put them in, whatever. I, they're both bad. I will be betting on Shengu Desis a lot this year because he's good. But that, other than that, I don't care about Houston. Portland also right, bad. You and then yeah. Spurs. I have thirteen. I think that Wemby's fun, but I am not sold on that team versus the rest of the conference. Right. And then that's where Utah comes in because I think Utah. You're right. Well coached. I think that they have talent, but I also don't think that they have the West is really stacked. Right. Pelicans, assuming they stay relatively healthy, I think they're comfortably better than Utah. Same thing goes for OKC, Phoenix, even Minnesota. Although yeah, that would be like maybe the one team you question, right? Minnesota, like, is this is this Carl Anthony Towns or Eagle Bear thing gonna work or not? Or if it and if it doesn't I'm not convinced work, it it's might. going to work. And then there's the Clippers. I want to put the Clippers below them because as I said earlier, the Clippers are a bad team. Um, but the Clippers are just they're so they're so old in that like they they won't lose a ton of games just because they're so old. They don't have like a oh, we're old, we'll bottom out. Right. Right. They're, they're, they're trying to like win a championship. All of our, yeah, they're trying to win. So they're even like they're going to scrap and they'll be better than Utah just by that. Uh, and then you have Sacramento, I think, is better. Lakers are better. The team that I think is questionable is is Dallas. And that's because I'm not convinced yeah. that Dallas is good. I'm also not convinced that I said and I said this to a friend of mine over the summer. And I know that it's a hot take and people aren't going to like it. I don't think Luka Doncic will ever win a championship unless he changes the way that he plays. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. It's, uh, you know, he's a, he kind of reminds you almost of James Harden, right? In in the in that style of, of basically like he's going to 
just he's going to get his and do everything. But he does. Does he necessarily make people around him better? Luka like, Doncic had 49 points the other night. He had seven assists. Yeah. Right. So Kyrie Irving was six for 17. No one else in the starting lineup had more than six shots. More than two shots or six shots. Oh, yeah. See. Right. Exactly. Like that's. Uh, I can see that. I can see that take with Luka, and, and he is right. Pretty much freaking entirely ball dominant and like i said it, it, it reminds me a lot of james harton in his houston years um good guy but you like you know good player mvp uh but but not necessarily uh a guy who can get like i said make your teammates better and get you um get you to the promised land dallas is an interesting one i think memphis is an interesting one too because of the john morant uh suspension and the stephen adams injury they're zero three to start the year they um i just don't know I, I think that team is a is a playoff team when when they've got their full roster, but I don't know twenty five games without Jaw. Plus, then there's going to be a ramp up period for him. Like, um, that's a team I could see falling entirely out of the playoff picture uh, as well. And being in that Utah range, to be healthier than some of these teams. Like, that's my my question yeah. about the other teams. It's not necessarily how good they are. It's how many of their guys I should expect to play enough games. Like Utah, I expect this to be their squad. Like I don't expect them to have a lot of injury problems. I mean, if they do, they're going to crater. But they're a young squad. They don't have a lot of guys with demonstrated injuries. It's not like the Clippers, who have demonstrated injury problems. What do you You What do you think of the John Collins fit in Utah? I don't know that there's a John Collins fit anywhere. (laughs) It's sort of weird because he's like a classic power forward, right? Like you'd think it would be easy. But do they do you do like classic power forwards really exist in the NBA anymore? Like, is that even a thing? Like, you know, yeah, like that, Chet Holmgren. <laughs> but right. But no, that's what I'm saying is like that's like your your today's NBA power forward. Right. Is this guy who can take people off the dribble, who's got the ability to rise up and shoot, who might be able to play down a little in the post, can play make for others like John Collins is is just a straight up like. You know, athletic. He's good at rolling to the basket. He can finish above the rim. Like he's got a decent mid-range jumper. But that, like he, it's like Lafonso Ellis in 2023. It's would have been great. John Collins makes perfect sense in Utah. He makes perfect sense in Utah. He actually does. Yeah, because he's playing next to Walker Kessler, and then he's playing next to Lowry Markkinen. Lowry, on Basketball Reference, is listed as a power forward, and he might like start or be in your program as a power forward. He's your small forward. Yeah, he's playing small right. forward in that certain. And so John sure. Collins is your power forward. He gives you another rebounder because Lowry is not the best rebounder. Lowry averages 8.3 per game, but I think that's more because he's seven foot tall. Yeah. I, I, John Collins is averaging a double-double this year. You're right. He's not going to space the floor. Guess what? Lowry Markkinen can space the floor for you. He shot. He's shooting 46% from three this year. He shot 39% from three last year. He shot 40% from three in 2020 and 2021 with Chicago. He makes perfect sense there. It's still As tough a, to play in, uh, playing him, ne- playing Collins next to Walker Kessler, because you got two guys who flat out, like both your bigs aren't, are going to be down in the lane, right? So, but I mean, Jordan Clarkson can shoot, can space the floor for you. And then who's their, uh, what is it, Talon Horton Tucker? Talon Horton Tucker is your, that's your other guy? Yeah, at least. I mean, so, so what you're saying is their biggest weakness is shooting guard. Well, well, and the problem is, is Chris Dunn can't shoot either. Right. So, I mean, Chris Dunn's been very good for them, but it, it creates weaknesses in the way that they have to play with all those guys on the floor together. 
You're, uh, no, I agree that I think they need one more shooter as a guard in order to make right. the in order to make the college fit work. That's the problem. Yeah, yep. and then you have Kelly Olenek too, who's another I mean another big who can shoot, so you can rotate him in um, and give you kind of that that floor stretcher. I don't know. It was just it's just a weird thing. And I, John Collins is one of those guys like I can't figure out right like because he was he had like some he had some really good years in in Atlanta was essentially like the number two guy next to Trey Young, you know. But like it just never really amounted to much in Atlanta, right? They were always a team that was basically, if they made the playoffs, were going to be a a first round exit. Um, John Collins was always one of those guys who's just going to kind of sit on the, like never going to be an all-star, but uh, kind of be on the fringes of maybe like if he had a great year one year, he could be right. Like, I don't know. It it, it just seemed like almost a move to make a move. And so I'm still trying to figure out that, uh, that I do think that Utah with, with those three big guys, Collins, Markinen and, and Kessler, they they at least match up size wise with the Nuggets, so that could potentially give give Denver a little bit of trouble. I mean, Walker Kessler is a very good defensive center. He's huge. Like he he's not gonna get. It's not gonna be a repeat of today where where you know Jokic could just right. take advantage in the post. Uh, John Collins is is in Aaron Gordon like very similar players in a lot of ways. Uh, Aaron Gordon I think is a much better defender, but. Um, they do a lot of similar things. They're they're again similar sized guys. Like they they match up well with each other. Laurie Markkinen might be the one small forward in the uh, in the league who's the same height as well. I mean, I guess Kevin Durant too. But you know that's going to be able to match up height wise with Michael Porter Jr. So um, it'll be interesting, I think, from from that angle to see uh, whether or not maybe maybe Utah can. Uh, can Definitely a guard game, them. right? Like you would expect right. that this would be the game where Denver's guards would show up. Right, um, yeah. Well, their, their guard or, advantage or is big in this game. I don't know. Jordan Clarkson is like one of those nugget killers, right? Like, <laughs> I feel like I feel like I've seen so well, many Chris Dunn's a great defender. Games. So, yeah, I mean, he is. Chris Dunn's a great defender. You know, that, they, yeah, they, they, that's not that's never been the problem in his game defense. But uh, Colin um, Sexton is one of those I guys just, I can't figure out either. Like, I don't, I don't know if I like Colin Sexton or not as a player. <laughs> you know, he's he's all right, it's hard I guess. To tell. Like, Right. Jordan Clarkson last season in two games against the Nuggets shot four for 19, including one for 11 from three. So maybe maybe his days of Nuggets killing are over. Also, he had 16 points. So I don't know if I would say Nugget killer would be. I don't know if that's the word I would use. Oh, I'll find you. I'll find you a Jordan Clarkson game where he scored like 35 on us. Don't you worry. Congrats. I'll go and find another guy that had a really good game against Denver. (laughs) You can pick and choose these all you want. All of us, I'm I'm just sitting here saying Clarkson, I don't think is the guy that you gotta worry about. I think it's a John Collins gets hot inside. I think John I think if they can bother Porter as a shooter, that's a problem because I think that you have the defense to match up with these guys. And it's just ultimately can you the does Denver's offense ever run cold? Because they've been pretty good for, through three games. Do they ever just have a cold spout in this game and then that's when you have a problem yeah uh i mean it's certainly too if if you know i mean if they match up well if they're able to match up well against the nuggets bigs and then slow down Jokic in any way um you're you're gonna like gordon said you're gonna be relying on you'll be relying on those guards uh to uh, to basically make 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 up the difference and and who's going to do that uh or not um you know it, it it's uh there it is 37 points utah 
2020 gauge, January 30th, 2020, Jordan Clarkson scored 37 on the Nuggets. Nugget killer. Oh, I'm just joking. Um, it's a game that you're looking at Jamal Murray like, right? He he's essentially the guy in this one. Can he can he take on um, Jordan Clarkson or whoever else is going to be defending him? I mean, that's Chris Dunn comes off the bench for uh, for Utah, so you know how much will he actually match up with Jamal will, will remain to be seen. Um, you know, Town Horton Tucker is he's the starter, right? But he's playing basically bench minutes, and then they're essentially p- playing that Colin Sexton lineup. I like. I think I like uh, I like Jamal Murray against those two guys. Chris Dunn being the one, like, and, and maybe that's the adjustment that Utah makes in this game is like we're gonna put we're gonna we're gonna play Chris Dunn big minutes uh, and throw him at Jamal Murray. Um, both teams three games and four nights. Gordon, should we read? Should we read into into that? Uh, now Utah, of course, had today off. They played Friday, Saturday. Uh, Nuggets had Saturday off. They play today and tomorrow. Uh, do you read into that too much? I guess like more so from the Utah standpoint, but it, it, maybe we don't even worry about it at all because it's Utah, like the one team who's probably not that bothered by altitude, also in the mountain time zone, so they're not like losing an hour traveling here. Is it? Is it? Is there? Do you think there's anything to to put into the maybe both these teams being fatigued? Well, I expect them to be a little fatigued, uh, but more it's mostly because it's early season, so you don't have you're not used to regular season minutes yet. Um, and you don't have your altitude legs. Like it takes a couple of months of sleeping up here to get your your red blood cells where they need to be to carry enough oxygen, so it doesn't bug you. And uh, I don't think the Nuggets are there yet because they, I mean, they had training camp down in San Diego, and they had one home game, but for the most part they were on the road. You know, they've been on the road a lot to start this year. Yeah, so you're not sleeping at altitude. Yeah, so so yeah, for me, you know. Like, yeah, I I don't think either team has their altitude-ready bodies yet. So, yeah, I do expect some fatigue on the third game in four nights. Uh, but I just – the Nuggets are fully young kids, man. Like, uh, the old the old guy is, what, Jokic at 28? Is he the oldest guy? No, Casey, is KCP older than him in the, in the rotation? Yeah, KCP is older in the rotation. You're right. Every well, like, Reggie Jackson's pretty old too. Yeah, but I don't. I, if if Reggie got tired, I have other guys on the bench for that. Like <laughs> nobody should get tired coming off, uh, coming off of the bench. That's what I'm saying. Like if you're tired coming off the bench, that's a you problem. Yeah, I wonder if Utah um, because they were in Phoenix. Uh, obviously, I mean, do you think? I wonder if they even came home. I mean, they could have. It's like kind of on the way. Uh, in a return right, roundabout. I doubt it. They probably just went straight. Yeah, and right. I, I, for example, I would just go and come straight to Denver. Uh, right out here. So they, there's an argument to make that Utah might be the more rested and better acclimated to the altitude team uh, in in this game than than the Nuggets will themselves. Because like you said, Nuggets have been on uh, on the road essentially since. I mean, they stayed and probably what practiced. Uh, when, I think they practiced Wednesday. Uh, probably maybe left Thursday for um, no Memphis. Uh, and then and then at, at OKC today. So they've you're, you're absolutely right. They have not been. Not been in the altitude. Uh, um, just for reference, the Jazz did their training camp at Hawaii. So, oh, <laughs> nice, golly. Oh, I, I like the fact that all the all the mountain all the mountain teams were like, you know what? Like, screw this, we're, we're going coming, to the beach. So we're going to the beach for <laughs> for training camp. 
I say, man, shout out to the jazz beat writers. They good for them. Good for right? them. Oh, sorry, boss. Got to go. No choice. No choice. That was that was probably hard on some local local Salt Lake uh, travel budgets at the newspaper, for sure. Uh, uh, although Hawaii's uh, elevation is actually somehow higher than Denver. Well, that just depends on where where in Hawaii you're standing, right? Well, Maui is 10,000 feet above sea level uh, on the eastern part and 5,800 feet above sea level in the western part. Um, I don't have the Jazz's specific training camp like city, but there I, I I was thinking, oh, Hawaii's got to be like below or like at, at sea, sea level. level. No, I was wrong. Yeah, it's like essentially just mountains sitting in the sea, right? So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see there with that. I mean, yeah, I might, I'm gonna see if we might, we might be changing, and we're gonna see where the budget goes. Well, this might become a jazz podcast that they're gonna keep having training camp out there in Hawaii. We'll have to go check it out at least once, once or twice. Yeah, Hawaii, um, Hawaii is not at altitude. I mean, unless you're on top of like Mauna Kea or something. Uh, and I actually checked but, University University of Hawaii, which is where they practice. Elevation is 95 feet, so we were right. 95 feet. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Well, was, yep. we killed good. We killed a good at least four minutes uh, of the pod with a little bit of elevation misinformation. Always fun. Um. So, Gage, are are you kind of same thing? Like, I mean, are are you worried about about fatigue? I guess from the Nugget side, or do you think it, it balances out with with the Jazz pretty much in in a very similar situation? For lack of a better term, I don't care. Uh, Nuggets are going to go out and play ball. They're going to win games. They're going to lose games. It's game four of the year. I'm not. I'm not panicking. Even if they come out and get absolutely blasted, like you could, t- you can text me on Tuesday morning because I'm not going to be up that late for this game. You can text me Tuesday morning and say, "Yeah, Nuggets got beat by 30 last night," and my reply will be, "Is everybody still healthy?" Yeah. All right. right. Cool. We're good. Yep. I'll see you tomorrow. That's right. It happens. Like I mean. Like if we were basing it off of specifically just early season results, wouldn't we have all panicked last year opening night when Denver lost to this Utah team on the road by some 21? people did. Don't get me wrong, some people lost it. And then oh, two days, and then a few it. days later, lost to Portland on the road by 25. Yeah. And then a few days later, lost to the Lakers by 11 on the road. They were four and three after their first seven games, including three double-digit losses, two of which came to teams that did not make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a little bit. It's not quite apples to apples comparing the start of last season, just because you know last year with with Murray and and Porter and and reintegrating them, of course. But I get what you're saying, and we were saying that last week too. Like you know, um, if the Nuggets lost the Lakers, that would have sucked. But uh, it is just it is just one game, and you know, like like you said, I mean, the Nuggets got blown out by 21 points on by Utah on opening night. Last last year, and at the end of the season, they were uh, the NBA champions. So it's like I'm sorry to not give you the more fun thing. Or I was gonna say, come on, where are your hot takes, Gage? My hot takes are saved for later in the year uh, uh, during holidays, where I have better food takes than you do. Oh, geez, we'll uh, we'll have we'll have the Thanksgiving podcast. You wait. Uh, I'm gonna make sure. I might I might I might see if I can't have your mom on that one, so we can you can tell her to. To herself that you don't like her turkey. She knows. <laughs> she knows. You think I I'm don't here. tell my mom this stuff? I'm here to defend the turkey. You can defend turkey. I've said before, turkey's fine. That's the take. That's the take. I've said the take for many times. We will, and we like, we can have this discussion again in a month. Turkey's fine. I think it's just corporate nonsense around Thanksgiving that we have to eat it. It's not that good. Gage is anti-big turkey. 
<laughs> You're uh... right. I am definitely anti-big turkey. <laughs> Uh, what is it, Butterbean or whoever makes the damn turkeys? There, absolutely drawing gauges. Are. All right, well we have uh we, we've got way off course, which is fine because we are pretty much at the point where we, where we can wrap this thing up. Um, make sure that you guys are following us all on Twitter. I am at Zach Mikosh. Gordon is at G Money Nugs. Gage is at G Bridgeford NFL. Don't ask us why we put an NFL guy on our show. Well, it's because Gage does NFL coverage too. We'll just say it. Um. Make sure you guys are following at Denver Stiffs, at Mile High Sports. Um, And otherwise, we will talk to you all next week.